It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of The Social Network. substantial in order to get the attention of the clubs. Why? Because they're exclusive and fun and they lead to a better life. People want to go on the internet and check out their friends, so why not build a website that offers that friends, pictures, profiles. I'm talking about taking the entire social experience of college and putting it online. The site got 2,200 hits within two hours? Thousand. 22,000. This idea is potentially worth millions of dollars. Millions? You stole our website. They're saying we stole the Facebook. I know what it says. So did we. A million dollars isn't cool. You know what's cool? A billion dollars. You're going to get left behind. It's moving faster than any of us ever imagined it would behind. Let's sue him in federal court. I can't wait to stand over your shoulder and watch you write as a check. If you guys were the inventors of Facebook, you'd invent a Facebook. Is there anything that you need to tell me? Your actions could have permanently destroyed everything I've been working on. We have been working on. Did you like being a joke? Do you want to go back to that? Mark! This is our time. You're being accused of intentionally breaching security, violating copyrights, violating individual privacy. Your best friend is suing you for $600 million. As for the charges, I believe I deserve some recognition from this board. I'm sorry? Yes. I don't understand. Which part? All right, everyone, you were just listening to the trailer for The Social Network, and the story is as follows. In 2003, Harvard undergrad and computer genius Mark Zuckerberg begins work on a new concept that eventually turns into the global social network known as Facebook. Six years later, he is one of the youngest billionaires ever, But Zuckerberg finds that his unprecedented success leads to both personal and legal complications when he ends up on the receiving end of two lawsuits, one involving his former friend. The film is starring Jesse Eisenberg, Andrew Garfield, Justin Timberlake, Army Hammer, Max Mangella, Rooney Mara. It is directed by David Fincher and written by Aaron Sorkin. Joining me for this Patreon review for the last best picture series where we review a best picture winner or nominee in this instance first time ever we're reviewing a nominee for best picture i have josh parm hello hello and katie schaefer hello all right so the social network voted on by the fans of nextbestpicture.com to be our first ever podcast review here where 
the film did not win Best Picture. Prior to this, we've reviewed films like One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, The Silence of the Lambs was the last one we just did, Lawrence of Arabia, but this film is the kind of movie that is still so, so beloved. It got more than double the amount of votes on our poll. for, for People like just really, really want to hear us talk about this film. And after rewatching it for the first time in, uh, it's been a little bit for me. I think it's been about maybe, oh, I don't know, say three or four years since the last time I watched The Social Network. I can totally understand and see why. But Katie, as I understand it, this was your first time viewing the film. It was my first time. And I let me tell you, I went into this very skeptical. I'm not an Aaron Sorkin fan, and I don't necessarily care for Jesse Eisenberg or Andrew Garfield. So David Fincher was the thing that was like, okay, well, I enjoy most of David Fincher's work, so this will probably be good. And you know what? I really liked it. Wow. Okay. It had all strikes against it almost, and I still really liked it. After the first about that first opening scene, I was like, what is going on here? I don't know if this is for me, but then... Once it really kicked off, I was in. Now, I actually want to just uh, first hone in on that. You know, you say you don't like Aaron Sorkin. Uh, can you pinpoint exactly what it is you don't like about his work? Because, and I'm asking this because I'm fascinated, uh, because I myself am a huge fan of his work. So I'm, I'm curious to know. For me, Aaron Sorkin is the kind of writer who, and I totally get why other people love him. Don't let me, I don't think he's a bad writer. I think his style isn't for me. So that's, uh, let me lay it out there like that so people don't confuse where I'm coming from here. I think for me, yeah. Aaron, Aaron Sorkin is the kind of guy who he has lots of things to say, and he is not shy about being very obvious about what he is trying to say. In the, yeah. some of his dialogue, it's just screaming. And that, mm-hmm. that for me is a big turnoff. I like I like it when the story comes first and the message is kind of mixed in there. And that's not how Sorkin does business. And that's okay. It's just, for me, it's like, ugh, it's it's grating. My, my only issue with Aaron Sorkin's writing is I constantly watch either one of his television shows, such as The West Wing or The Newsroom or any one of his movies, most recently Molly's Game. And the number one thing I always say to myself every single time is... People don't talk like this. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it drives me nuts. Like, everybody is so super witty and so smart and, and fast. so quick. Yep, everybody's going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And that's like, no, there's pauses. But one thing that I have to say that he does very well is he does find characters, whether they're politicians or, in this instance, computer geniuses, who when they do talk at that pace or with that level of intellect, I can buy it a little bit more. And and I agree. I think once that opening scene bothers me because it's just like, I've had those conversations at a much slower pace with guys like that. For me, it was like, Oh honey, just get up and leave. Just leave. Yeah. You don't need to sit here and put up with this crap. Like he's never going to get it. So it's irritating on that level. Uh, but it's also, it's almost, it's hard to follow the dialogue because it's just spitting so fast. Mm-hmm. So, but I think both of them are doing it so well. Yeah. Eisenberg is perfect in this role. Perfect at making him very unlikable, but yet you can't deny the skill he has. No, it's by far his 
best performance. Uh, Josh, I do want to just move it over to you just for a second as well. Um, obviously, you've seen The Social Network before, and I want to just ask you right off the bat, what was it like watching it again this time around? And if you can recall expectations heading into it the first time and what that experience was like? Well, the first time I walked into The Social Network you know, so many years ago when it first came out, I thought, like, I was expecting it to be good, but I was a little guarded. I just didn't know if that material could really be cinematic. The Facebook movie, as it was yeah. commonly referred to as. Exactly, yes. yeah. Just a, a movie about the creation of Facebook just did not sound like something that would be interesting. But you give it to Aaron Sorkin and David Fincher and that cast, and they're going to find a way. And the first time I saw it, I was blown away by it. I thought it was amazing. And watching it again recently, I was surprised by how much I was still really taken in by it. Um, you know, you talk about Aaron Sorkin and the kind of good and bad about him. I think that his dialogue is very stylized, but it's intentionally so. And there is a very lyrical quality to it. And you kind of either are in that frequency or you're not. I tend to be. I really like his dialogue and, and the way that the characters kind of go back and forth like that. It's very theatrical. The problems I do have with Sorkin, though, is that some of his characters aren't very well written, and I think particularly the female characters, which is yeah. really bad in this movie. I oh, think yeah. overall, that it that's a pretty pretty big problem for me. But overall, I still find this film to be just an incredible piece of filmmaking. It's one of David Fincher's best efforts as a director. I think almost all the performances are great. I think you're right, Jesse Eisenberg. It, this is an amazing performance from him. That that was an element that really jumped from the first time I saw it to this one. Eisenberg is so, so good in this movie. He is amazing. And everybody else in the cast is great too. I think what jumped out to me about the cast this time around was how, at the time, I didn't know who many of these people were. Mm -hmm. And now I look back and I'm like, Dakota Johnson is in this movie. Yeah. What? Right? This was our first introduction for many of us to Rooney Mara. This was our first introduction for many of us to Army Hammer, Max Mangella, Andrew Garfield. I mean, it, it, it was pretty incredible to see all these people at the time and think to yourself, oh, oh like the, this young cast of kids. And now it's like, a star-studded cast that if they were all cast in a movie today, we'd all be like, oh my God, like what? Like, But at the time, nobody really knew so much. I mean, it's not like they were making their debuts or anything like that for many of them, but they weren't household names by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, Jesse Eisenberg, prior to this, right? He had, I'm trying to think right now, like what? Zombieland the year before? And that's, I mean, like what else did he have that, you know, I guess the squid and the whale, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, Zombieland, probably the most widespread, like, mainstream movie. But, yeah, he had the squid and the whale, which I really liked him in that movie. Yeah, and of course, Justin Timberlake, who is playing a very Justin Timberlake-like role as this oh, he's so smooth-operating, smooth-talking. Uh, I mean, this is the best I've ever seen Justin Timberlake in any film role, ever. To the point that, oh, like, oh yeah, I, I used to think that after this, he was going to just blow up as an actor. And I thought that he was going to be, you know, one day uh, a future Oscar winner. And, you know, I mean, he still has that opportunity, of course. But he, his career has really, really, really now fully, I think, gone towards music at this point. And every now and then he pops back into movies. But 
yeah, this, in my opinion, you know, even with the female roles like Rashida Jones, who's very much a background character throughout most of this movie, she makes the most of the scenes that she's given and I think has a really, really strong impact, not just on the character of Mark Zuckerberg, but also on the central um, thorough line of the story. And that is that here's this guy who in the first opening scene of this film gets dumped by his girlfriend and in his pettiness in his like fit of rage he goes back he blogs about her and creates this uh app or a program whatever you want to call it called face mash where people on the harvard campus end up like ranking girls and like almost like a precursor to tinder of sorts and it's it's really fascinating to me how you know you guys talk about likability how throughout the movie the line that um rooney mara says to him it's, uh, you know, you're going to go through life thinking that people uh, don't like you because you're some sort of a computer nerd. But I want you to know from the bottom of my heart that that won't be true. It'll be because you're an asshole. Oh, that line. And then to have Rashida Jones at the end of the movie reiterate to him, uh, you're not an asshole, Mark. You're just trying so hard to be one. Those two scenes kind of bookend the movie. And there's a slight, slight, so it's so subtle. There's a slight bit in the film where she is nice to him. She offers him, I think, like a salad or something at one point uh, in the break during one of the depositions. And you can tell at the end of the film, he then tries to make a, a connection with her by asking her if she wants to get something to eat. And she says no. And I, I just found it so interesting that at the heart of everything, despite all the fame, the wealth, the power, this guy is just seeking some sort of a connection. Um, in this instance, it's with two women. But I think the film does a good job of showing that it's kind of with anyone, especially in regards to his best friend, of course. I think that it does a really good job of portraying uh, the growth that he goes through because there is growth, I think, for that. You think so? I think so. I think there is, and it's a weird kind of growth, but you go from the beginning when he is entirely self obsessed. Like, and I'll tell you, I remember when that happened. When he, because I think that's a true story. I think Zuckerberg did do something like that. Mm -hmm. And I remember that when that shit went down because it was. I was reading a lot of feminist blogs at the time, and they talked about it because one of them went to Harvard. Yeah. So I remember when that happened, and I remember thinking, like, God, what a petty, terrible thing to do. But then by the end, you get the sense he would not do that. He's still creepy towards his ex, but it's he's just sending a message. He's not just invading her profile because you know, as the head of Facebook, he could just go in and look at it. Instead, he's trying to reach out, but he's allowing her to say no. Instead mm -hmm. of, like, in the middle of the movie where he goes to the table and he's just insistently like, I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you. Right. And he won't take no for an answer. So it's, right. you see these periods of growth that he goes through where he realizes that, like, okay... If I want to connect with people, I have to allow them to make choices in these relationships. I can't just decide everything as it's going and keep this tight control, which is obviously a big a big thing for him, like having the control yeah. over his life. I, I would say that I think like in the framework of cinematic history, I think he's one of the best anti-heroes in that he's a protagonist that we follow throughout, but he's not the quote unquote good guy. No. 
I don't think I don't think we're supposed to be rooting for him personally. I really, really, really don't. I think his condescending attitude, his um, indifference towards anyone that he feels is beneath him, uh, shows that. And I think the film does try its best to make Eduardo Saverin, played by Andrew Garfield, the emotional heart and center of the film, and that's the character that we're supposed to have the most sympathy for. I agree. Yeah. So by the time we get to the end, where like you said, if there is if there is some sort of growth within this character, I do think it's a stroke of brilliance that the film does not give that arc its full conclusion. And he's just left refreshing, refreshing, refreshing insistently over and over. And the film just ends then. And we don't know if she ever does request, uh, you know, accept his request or not. The answer is probably no. If I yeah, the answer uh, as a woman, the answer is no. She, doesn't. <laughs> she, probably, then, she probably then blocked him. She's like, oh. Gross. I don't want to think about you. <laughs> like that for her is a creepy, it's portrayed that that for her is a creepy, awful situation. And so, and I liked that part about it. You're totally right, Josh. The female characters are written really poorly in this, but I do like that Rooney Mara's character. She gets her say. She tells him, this is how I think of you. And this is what you yep. do and sees right through him. Mm-hmm. Good luck with your video game. Yes. Yeah, and what I also love about the Rooney Mara character is that she doesn't yield to him. You know, there's no scene where, you know, they meet up later and she's like, oh, you know, you're not that bad, Mark. You know, she she is allowed to still have her own space and her own opinions. And it's to the movie's credit that Mark is in a place where he kind of respects that. You know, whether or not that is true in real life you know might be up for question but at least in the context of the film it does allow that kind of personal growth for zuckerberg oh uh, you know this is based on the accidental billionaires and th- th- you know a book that to be quite honest and fair what aaron sorkin did with that material and translated over into the movie i think it's pretty pretty safe to say that this is almost a total and complete fabrication almost of oh, oh, many yeah. of like, them. This yes. movie's faithful to that book in like name only. Yeah. They, he changed nearly everything about it. Right. Uh, but uh, what I do appreciate, what I do love, it, I don't view this movie as history so much for the real life characters it's portraying. Instead, I view it as a time capsule and for history of us as a people and how this film is capturing a time that is very much of its time. <laughs> you know, the early 2000s, you know, you think pre-iPhone, pre-Twitter, pre-all of this, essentially. Like, when I see the scenes of them at parties or them just hanging around their dorm room and nobody has an internet device in their hands in sight, it makes me instantly question, like, how did we all interact pre-dating all this technology like and this is in my lifetime and i still can't it's a little fuzzy to me almost how we lived in a world before all this existed and i think that comes across when sean parker at one point later on the film says we lived on farms we then lived in cities and now we're going to live on the internet and this film in many ways tries very subtly to show um how the mindset of these people back then uh, was able to shape the very foundations of how we live our lives on a daily basis. There's talk about Instagram at one point without the name Instagram actually being mentioned. I think Sean Parker talks about how, like, you know, you'll you'll put your photos online, reliving moments in your life, essentially. Yep. Uh, and, ta- and the idea of tagging. And then there's also talk about 
the relationship status and how crucial like that became in social media for people to understand like you know in terms of just meeting somebody instead of having like the gall to go up and like talk to someone instead and find out if they were single or not how you could just look that up online it's like this movie's trying to show us um how the world has changed and i think that that is very interesting now in 2018 talking about this because we're now watching this movie not just from a change in uh, technology but we're also watching this movie from a change in um the social uh structure between men and women this is a very male dominated movie and in a post me too era with those optics now on and we can watch this movie again and look at how underutilized and underwritten the female characters are in this film i don't want to say i like fault the movie for that but i do think it once again like cre- uh, captures a place in a time where guys were trying to get wealth fame and power i i don't want to say strictly just for women but huge 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 component yeah i mean i think that those motivations of the main characters are very prevalent throughout the film in terms of yeah they want money they want power and they want women by their side and there almost is something to the notion that the female characters would be very underwritten as a reflection of how the men see them in this movie. And to that point, I can sort of understand why the film would go that direction. But at the same time, I just wish that those female characters still had a little bit more pushback to those ideals and kind of took the men to task a little bit more for having those ideas about them. And instead the movie, because it never indulges in it, it does have a way to kind of, subtly endorse that idea if if only just a little bit because there's nothing outside of the erica character to really push back uh against it i gotta ask this question do you feel that molly's game is aaron sorkin's answer to that criticism well i mean it's the female character right at the center so it the it does certainly seem like that is his best attempt to try to combat that um i mean molly's game is an okay movie i i you know i think that he tries but Molly also is a character that basically there's nothing about her that is directly feminine. That character could have been a guy. It just, he just happened to cast Jessica Chastain. Hmm. Okay. I I believe that this film, had it been written, shot, edited, released today, I think it would be a totally different movie. Oh, definitely. I find that aspect of the social network uh, most fascinating upon this most recent rewatch. Well, and especially because of what we're going through with how social media is in the news today, with especially Mark Zuckerberg, where he's he's testified before Congress, he's being called to testify before the Justice Department, like either shortly or he just did, about whether or not uh, social networks are you know, censoring people or whatever, whatever that means, political nonsense. But that is interesting because going from this little thing that started at uh, colleges as a way to connect people, it's now become this huge worldwide thing that affects elections. And so looking at it from that perspective, it, it gives you this, it gave me anyway, this look of like, how much of this is true uh, in regards to Mark Zuckerberg himself? Mm-hmm. How much of 
his actual personality comes through in this because that guy is a cipher in the news. Like you, you don't know what he's really like because he presents a face and that face never deviates. Like most tech billionaires, you know, Bill Gates, Steve Jobs, they're both very, this is who I am on the front, but you'll never know what's underneath. And I think Zuckerberg continues that tech billionaire thing. And so it's interesting to look at it now as in the light of what's happened in like the past year because I don't think I would have seen this movie the same way as I do now, like two years ago, five years ago. And I bet if I watch it in two years, bet I'll feel it'll give me a whole new perspective. Hey everyone, sorry to interrupt, but this is a preview of our full review of the 2010 film The Social Network, part of the Last Best Picture series reviews here on nextbestpicture.com. You can subscribe to the Next Best Picture podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn Player FM, also on CastBox. But if you want to hear the full review, you're going to have to head over to our Patreon page where for $1 minimum a month, you will get this review plus other exclusive podcast content. Thank you so much for listening as always. We shall see you all next time. Welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book, and together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts.